How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. I'm your host Shane, joining me is Tom, and we have a very special guest on the line today, Cal Toomey. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Shane, Tom, it's uh, good to have a chat to you about the Suns and all things Queensland footy. Probably not coming at the best time, but uh, hopefully some draft chat might cheer you guys up because I imagine you've had a pretty rough couple of weeks. Yeah, it has been, and uh, anything to not talk about the games on the weekend is probably a good thing. <laughs> Uh, before we jump into the questions, I'd just like to remind all of our fans, uh, we're going out live, so jump in the chat, ask Cal some questions, and we'll try and get around to as many as we can. Uh, this is all possible thanks to our Patreon donors, Old Soul, Jack's Dad, Paul Vosti, Tom Kim, Chris Moore, James Wood, and Tony. Thanks for your support on Patreon. Okay, well, Cal... The, uh, you spent a bit of time up at the Suns earlier this year, got to see a bit behind the scenes. How do you think the Suns behind the scenes compared to clubs like Essendon and uh, Collingwood? Because there's a lot of chat at the moment that they weren't, I mean, the Suns are behind the eight ball when it comes to comes to the Victorian clubs. Yeah, it was a really interesting week. I was invited up to spend, uh, I think it was about four days in the end, of uh, in the lead up to their game where they were travelled to Perth to take on West Coast. I can't remember if it was around seven or eight. It was one of those one of those weeks. So I spent the four days there, Monday through to Thursday, and then the players left on Thursday afternoon. So there wasn't any time to catch up with them on the Friday anyway. So I loved it. It was a great experience from my perspective to see what an inside of the club actually is like. As as much as the time I've spent around Victorian clubs in covering footy for the last decade or so, I've never actually spent a significant chunk of time behind the scenes and given all access like it was given at the Sun. So I don't have much to compare it to on that side of things. However, the way that the club was operating, particularly at that time when they had a fair chunk of their players available compared to sort of what's hit them over the past 10 or 12 weeks, was really impressive. I think that they're pretty well aligned from the top down. That's definitely the impression I got. The, the best thing, I know I've said this a few times, but they weren't trying to sell the, the, the message or the the future to me. They were just able to let me in. I was sitting in Craig Cameron's office <laughs> Uh, for the whole week, that's where I set up. He was uh, he was based down in Victoria that week, so I set up in his office and sitting next to John Haynes and next door to him was Stuart Drew. So I was right in the thick of the action. Certainly wasn't hidden away to any side rooms or offices and, and pushed into another sort of corridor of the office or, or, or floor plan. So I was able to see everything that went on and uh, sit in every meeting and see how it all sort of undertook and getting to know some of the players over the past few years uh, through the draft system and then seeing them go to the Gold Coast, I've kept in touch with the sort of a certain selection of them and, and getting to see how they've been tracking up there. And they will speak really positively about sort of the environment that's been built up there. I just think some of the injury-like, and they have sort of probably dropped their bundle a little bit in the last couple of weeks particularly. But before that, we were keeping reasonably competitive, and that was definitely the case at the start of the year. So the alignment from CEO through to footy manager to coach 
uh, and recruiting manager, recruiting manager, and also list manager, all of whom, apart from the CEO, were in their sort of first year at the club in that that role. I think uh, we'll get a much better sense of the shape and direction of things next year. Hopefully, when they get a, a, a better run with luck and and these bits and pieces start to come together. But from my perspective, it was a it was a club that was humming in in the right direction and speaking to the first year boys who just arrived really impressed by what they'd seen and been treated to and and the direction of things so yeah i mean i couldn't speak more highly of what i saw firsthand yeah you saw a lot with the uh we saw you doing a cooking class with some of the uh, first (laughs) year boys it seemed like they really were enjoying their time up there the only question i had was jack lacocious you mentioned her was late because of her training or something and darted in then it sounded like he darted back out to, to go take a shower and stuff. Was that yeah. did that seem a bit unusual? No, 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 I didn't. No, he's um. So there was, to be honest, there was too many. Uh, what's the old saying? Too many, too, too many, many chefs, not enough dinner, whatever it is. There was there literally was too many cooks. There wasn't enough jobs for Jack to actually do because usually in those classes, I don't think Sam Collins would come to those classes. Generally, I'm not sure Josh Corbett and also. Uh, Chris Burgess would necessarily go to those classes every single week because they're older, they're 24, 25, a couple of those guys. So um, I think they were mainly there just because I was there in some ways to get the whole group of first-year sons together. So there was a group of, what is it, 10 first-year players or so, like I think it was all up. So Jack was running a little bit late because his gym session went over time. And that's Jack's dry sense of humour. I think he popped in, smiled, saw everything was, uh, was all going well and then ducked back out for a shower and then come back and... You know, scoffed a couple of plates of uh, Nazi Goring. You should see the amount they ate. I've never seen anyone eat like Ben King. Um, <laughs> but the amount, of, the amount of rice that kid eats is amazing. But um, yeah, no, they, they uh, they're all getting along really well. And have you gotten to know those guys particularly well over the last couple of years? Isaac's a real personality and settled in perfectly. You know, I don't see any sense of him getting homesick. We saw him resign last year, and just the, again the luck that hasn't sort of gone his way this year in terms of fitness. But we'll see him soon enough, hopefully. Jack was really happy with how things have settled in as well, living with Mark Evans and Ben King too. So I'd expect Jack would re-sign in the near future too. And Ben King probably leaves it to next year to sort of wait, wait and see what he does. But, um, yeah, I think that the, the personalities and the mix between those guys is really positive while I was up there and was probably what I hope to be seeing with those guys. Jack's Jack's a really laid-back kid. There's not much that phases Jack Lukosius, Um But, uh, you know, he, he, he was pretty comfortable up there. Awesome. So, did you get up to much else when you're up here on the Gold Coast? I should have come and dropped into the podcast, shouldn't I? Really? Yeah. Been able to... <laughs> um, no, I just. Uh, what else did I do? I, so, I spent the Monday and Tuesday pretty full days at the club, which was like really, really full days. It made me given a fair insight into what clubs actually are like, you know, day to day, and get to know the coaches. And these are guys I didn't know all that well. Some of the coaching panels, so. Um, was able to spend a bit of time with those guys and, and chat about the list as much as I could. I think on the, the players' day off, actually caught up with Josh Corbett, Burgess, and and Sam Collins for a coffee down Broad Beach and talked about their stories. And then um, you know, I've spoken to other players and caught up with them and actually had breakfast with the CEO and, and John ha- Mark Evans and John Haynes, the footy manager, and sort of talked about some bigger picture stuff about the Suns and the challenges and the. I guess the queries about them and their sort of opportunities to talk about that and address some of those things. So um, that was really good. And 
was actually managed to get another day in at the end and go up to Brisbane and see around their facility, which I hadn't seen before either at the Gabba. So that was the final day on the uh, Thursday, no, Thursday Arvo, so Thursday before I left on Friday. So no, it was uh, it was a really good week, and I was a big fan of catching up and checking out the facilities because the facilities. I'm not sure if you've been through them inside in full, but they are uh, they are top notch and quite um, outstanding, really, and, and at a really high level for the AFL and particularly I see Essendon's facility on a weekly basis, sometimes twice a week going out to the hangar there. I think that's still the best in terms of its size and the space they've got out at Tullow Marine, but certainly the intimacy and the way the club is really connected at the Suns between the administration, the footy department, the medical department, the coaches, there's a real flow to the building, so it works well. Okay, yeah, I've got a couple of things to say on that because, yeah, I had the privilege of talking to Mark Evans at a couple of meetings last year and very switched on bloke, knows exactly what he's do- doing. And, uh, yeah, it, I'm sure it would have been insightful with that meeting. And, yeah, next time you're up on the coast, we'll have to catch up. I I didn't realise you were up here, I think, until you posted a thing on Twitter the next day or two days later with the uh, cooking class. So yeah. a bit late to reach out to you then, I thought. But um, That's all right. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you went up to Brisbane facilities. Tom, you had a question you were asking off the air before about the comparison between Brisbane and Gold Coast. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, good day, Cal. How are you going? I'm well, I'm well. Good to chat, Tom. Yeah. I think eight minutes is about the longest I've said quiet on this podcast in, in over a year. <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe it's a good thing. Um, look, I, I have to admit I am an original Brisbane Bears supporter and right. I followed them at Carrara because I'm a Gold Coast boy. Um, but right now, if I look out the window, I can see the Gabba. So I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm quite close to Wool and Gabba, where, where I'm calling from now. So Shane and I aren't even in the same room. Um, so um, I, I do sort of follow the the, the Lions a, a bit more closely. I'm mean, definitely a Sun supporter, um, but um, I'm, I'm quite interested in you know. Look, they they left the Gold Coast and they came up to to the Gabba and the the difference in the Gabba. I don't know if either of you guys ever saw the Gabba when it was a greyhound track and a and a cricket field and all the rest of it. And the difference now when they do the drop-in cricket pitches and, and you name it, um, the Lions have really scored out of that. And I can't help but feel that the Suns, with the Commonwealth Games, and you mentioned the facilities, that the Suns have actually done you know really well out of that. But it was at such pain of having really bad season last year because of all the away games and whatnot. But what I wanted to ask you, a direct question, is in 2013, Michael Voss gets sacked and the Lions do a complete list rebuild. They've got four players from 2013 who are still on their list. The Suns got rid of their first inaugural coach, Blue McKenna, in a year later. And there are eight players left on the list from 2013. So my question to you is, do you think that the Suns are tracking maybe a year or so behind, or is it a bit more? Because we're kind of hoping and expecting the Suns to move up the ladder at any point but right now that seems like a really long way away yeah i'm sure the the ride seems a long way away but it was interesting when i was up there actually and speak to the guys around the suns about um the lines and that's a, it's a natural talking point isn't it because even at that stage they're looking pretty positive weren't they early in the year um, oh yeah i mean that that was gold for us but we'd been there before We'd seen the movie before, starting three and one, three and two. That's 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 been a, a common theme, and then it all falls away. Yeah, well, I think the Lions comparison though is fair 
you know, give it 12 or 18 months, whatever it is. Look at some of the, the, the similarities. Everyone talks about the players who the Suns have lost. Well, the Lions lost a lot of those players too, 2011, 2012, with the, you know, the homesick five and those boys um, who came back to Victoria and, and South Australia for a moment with Jared Pollock and obviously ended up in Victoria, but that's another story. <laughs> and then, then the, the Lions lose two of their captains. Rockliffe goes and Beams goes. The coach turnovers would have been about the same in terms mm. of that uh, couple of years. But 2017, the Lions are towards the bottom of the ladder. Um, they pick up Josh Shackey, 2015. He's another pick that doesn't go so well. So they've had a sustained period of being right at the bottom of the ladder as well. So I actually can see the similarities, and you can see why um, across that time, you know, I guess the differences have been in some ways that uh, have the Suns picked up or been able to attract the A-graders yet? They haven't been able to do that so far. So Charlie Cameron's an A-grade talent in his position, uh, an elite player in his position. Lockie Neal's an A-grade midfielder. And then you had Luke Hodge as well. And the difference they've made to that whole squad at the Brisbane Lions footy club has been enormous, not just on the field, but off the field, and that sort of shaping the players around them. I think the Suns are obviously hoping to get that. They're not aiming to get really deep into free agency until next year. That was the plan when I was up there. And, and they've certainly mm. looked ahead in, in terms of their list profile and, and you know, they know vaguely what the uh, the longer-term sort of plan will be um, and how their their group will be looking, the best 22, that's, you know, how it's going to be pictured and, and you throw in two first-round picks this year and what they're going to do there. So the Brisbane comparison, I think, is pretty fair as well. Um, yeah, but, you know, you add in those, those three key players and stars in their own ways, that's probably what the Suns are lacking at the moment. And also, the Brisbane Lions haven't had an injury for two years. So, they've been actually, able to actually get sort of, you know, 50, 60 games in a humid luggage, whereas, you know, Ben Ainsworth hasn't been able to get that continuity for a number of, like, little... And, and annoyed us trying to watch him flourish because we saw great signs at the start of this year. He was going to be, be that midfielder that... He will become in time. I've got no doubt that Benny will get there, but it's just about actually, you know, tracking and getting some consistent time. We saw Jack Bowes do that. Some of the jobs he was getting at the start of the year, he's a real future leader of that footy club, just being around the club. You can see that, you know, there's a not an aura about him, but he certainly commands a little bit of respect um, amongst his peers and his group and even the boys who are older than him. Then he gets done for an eight-week quad. Like, that stuff just doesn't happen. The Lions haven't had that so uh, for two years at least. So... You know, they're new into their build. They've had the footy manager and the, the coach for three years or so, I think it is now. Let's let's judge maybe, you know, Stewie Jew and John Haynes and that team, you know, after the same amount of time. Yeah, a little bit of luck with injuries would go nice. I don't think the Gold Coast have ever had that in their entire history. Um, you you mentioned some of the, the A-grade talent Brisbane were to able to bring in. Any whispers on anything the Gold Coast Suns might be able to do, Cal? <laughs> uh, if, if I knew the whispers enough to put them out, they'd be on afl.com.au. But um, <laughs> I think, uh, look, I don't think they'll be able to... I mean, they'll be looking for the senior type. Who's it going to be? They've spoken about Jared Ruffett. I'm not sure Jared Ruffett's going to go up to the Suns. Um, you know, uh, Stephen Hill's been mentioned in fleeting you know, dispatches. Would he go there? I think he's more likely to go to a Victorian club, you know, potentially with Bradley if it goes that way. So I don't know what they've got up their sleeve. I think they'd be pretty keen to sort of keep this build going in terms of the draft. They got three top 10 picks last year. They're going to get two probably in the first 15 or 16 this year. 
um, and obviously probably the most the number one pick potentially another pick depending what the AFL says to the priority pick request. So I think that's the starting point. The hardest thing clearly is going to be the sell to top end genuine A grade players to to come up and be part of the build, won't it? Because this is looking like being you know the lowest you've been on the ladder, you know, yeah. ever. And so I, where's where's the upward sort of trend? We're, yeah. we're proud of that too. Uh, you yeah. know, we only came came last in our first year, but then, you know, we we, we def- desperately don't want to get another wooden spoon ever. But it could happen this year. It's looking more likely this year than, than not. Can, can I go, get you to go back a little bit? Do you got the the idea that that um, the the Suns management weren't going to look for an A grader or two this year? They're going to the back to the draft, and then it's next year. So, do you, did you get the feeling that perhaps there might be some some uh, long term Suns players leaving? No, I didn't. So, in terms of the younger guys who have sort of been part of that crew, is that the guys you're sort of talking about, or? Oh, I guess I guess I'm also talking about the you know foundation players like Sam Day. Uh, oh, Tom okay. Nichols yep. hasn't had a hasn't had an AFL game for quite a, a long time, but he, you know, he potentially could be at the end of his son's career. If they if those guys walk in free agency, there's a bit of uh, because Day is in the top twenty five percent of paid players. He he'd actually I believe would attract an end of first round potentially concession. Oh, so it depends yeah, on more, it depends more, more on what, what the next direction. it depends on what the next contract is, not the one he's actually on. Um, so, but in, to, to, to be honest, with uh, Sam Day, what I heard this week and just in the past couple of days that uh, he wants to stay at the Suns and the Suns want to keep him. So that's most likely to get done in the next couple of weeks, I'd imagine. Um, so that's probably some good news to, ke- to keep him along. All right. So I think he's pretty keen to stay. He's had some frustrations this year. The other one, I mean, um, uh, speaking of Paul Vosky, who you mentioned earlier on the show, being sort of part of the, the team that put this podcast together, has asked whether... You know, you, you throw up, you know, pick two and the Lions first rounder for Clayton Oliver. That's been mentioned. The Clayton Oliver sort of take, he's the guy that you should be getting, all that type of stuff. Well, you might be getting it the next Clayton Oliver anyway with uh, Matty Rowell. He's a pretty similar sort of player um, with the first pick. And, um, you know, you talk about the players leaving and, and the debate around these guys and how long, long they're going to stay long term. I actually think that the way the club's built this group now, they've probably moved a couple of guys on that didn't want to stay there long-term. Jack Scrimshaw's moved along and this type of stuff. The age profile of, of the list and how close the group is uh, off the field, I know that personally. I, I see how much time they spend together. They go and play top golf together. They're playing real golf. They're really tight. Um, you know, They've only got each other up there mainly, so they spend a lot of time together and have sort of been through a bit of a a crap time at different stages with the Suns dropping down the ladder. But I think that sort of could help this sort of retention factor in coming years. I mean, they spent a lot of time there. Um, I spoke to and spent a lot of time with Sean Hart uh, and the, the welfare guys up there. And they're, they're actually, they moved past the welfare mentality. That's something that they want to leave in the past. The Suns, they want to start talking about the, the excellence mentality and making these guys much more equipped to deal with AFL life and also life once they leave the club and and go into sort of other areas post-footy. So there's a different sort of mentality around sort of bettering players rather than just servicing them within the, the, the excellence department. So I think that's clearly been a focus area for the club in terms of retention. I believe that, you know, 
the, the welfare guys, and we'll still call them welfare because that's how most people will know them as, but the Sean Hart's team and Maxie Kennedy and these guys, Darren Rumbler, um, these guys are important long-term in terms of retention, but their first priority is actually getting these guys settled, making sure they're comfortable in their environments and then allowing them to flourish away from the club and inside the club too. So it's an important sort of factor about that. Okay. Uh, let's just pivot here for a sec. You were talking, uh, sorry, I was listening to your podcast today, AFL Exchange. If you haven't heard it, listeners, you can go onto the AFL website and find it there. Um, you were talking about uh, the Gold Coast Suns priority picks with uh, your co-hosts on that show. Uh, your yep. opinion was that should be just after the final, uh, the before the finalists pick in the first round. Um, do you also feel like the the talked about caveat of being forced to trade that pick is eligible? No, I'm not sure about that one because at that point, if you if a club knows you're forced to trade a pick, then they're gonna it's immediately um, devalued the pick. Yes, exactly yeah. right. You flipped the, you took the words and said it better than I was going to say it. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a pressure on you that otherwise isn't quite fair, is it? So no, I don't I don't like that sort of element because let's say there's no player in the competition that that fits the value of, let's say, it's pick two. Let's say the AFL Commission says, all right, Gold Coast, we're giving you pick one, but you have to trade it. That's going to devalue the pick in other areas of the draft because if uh, your best player is that's out of contract around the competition that someone wants is Clayton Oliver, well, he might not be worth pick one in this draft. So what's that say about the rest of the clubs who are behind him in the draft pool and Melbourne taking advantage of that. I'm not sure that's the best thing for the competition to put the caveat on it. So my idea, as I said, on exchange was to make the pick come in after the top 10. I've always thought the top 10 should be free of even pre-agency compensation picks, start them at that point. So the so the clubs who really need the picks, because the difference between pick one and pick two is a lot, big, lot different between the difference from pick 37 and pick 38. So at that point of the draft, the deeper, the, the deeper you go, the less difference it'll make when there's been a drop of one or two spots. But one and two, you've got a very clear idea of who you're picking at that stage. So um, that's my idea to go, all right, if you want a priority pick or compensation pick or whatever it is, then it sort of comes after the top 10 clubs because they've missed out on the finals. Yeah, I agree with you to a, to a certain extent there. Um, however, I would say I'd I think the draft is heavily outdated, especially with free agency coming in. It's certainly in need of a revamp, and hopefully the AFL is looking at that. Um, there's another concession that's been floated around. What are your thoughts on the Gold Coast being given the, the Northern Territory as a, a zone selection as well? Yeah, I've checked this out last week. We wrote that on AFL.com.au around uh, Darwin being a potential zone academy sort of area for them and the AFL are certainly looking into Darwin being handed out to a club and as a part of an NGA zone. Um, we used look. to have it, Cal. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything so you can find that place that's in your budget but also isn't a shoebox or a place that's close to your parents but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Yeah. We used to have Darwin. Yeah. We used to have Stephen May. We used to have Part it. And you know what they did with the NT zone? They gave it to the GWS Giants. List concessions. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
it's interesting. I mean, the numbers would say some of the most talented Indigenous players do come out of Darwin and, and obviously WA as well. So as WA get more and more access, or WA clubs set to get more and more access to the NGA kids, then maybe that area should be split up as well. The, what, the Gold Coast chat, though, comes from... The Gold Coast chat around that area comes from the fact that discussions have started with the Suns potentially about their women's team having access to that area as an academy prospect, like academy area. So nothing actually formal has been put to the Suns or, or presented by the Suns about Gold, uh, Gold Coast having access to Darwin as yet. So that's still a work in progress. I don't think anything or expect anything to be in place, definitely not for this year's draft and probably not even for next year's draft at this stage. It's more a 2021 project, I'd, I'd imagine, uh, where the where the AFL is going to shell out that zone because it obviously is pretty um, pretty wanted territory, uh, given the talent pool that's come out of there. But at this stage, the Suns, uh, I don't mind the idea of it, but in saying that, it's just another step towards an even more compromised draft, isn't it? It is. All right. Well, we uh, we probably shouldn't dwell on that too much longer. Let's uh, start talking about some of the draftees and the academy boys coming through this year. So my first question that's come in is uh, Raul or Anderson for the Gold Coast Suns or both? I think the uh, both parts hinging on the uh, priority pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, both would be hinging on that. It'd be hard work otherwise to get them. Um, like I think they're going to take Raul Rail if they just have one selection. I think Raul would be the the guy they they choose, and most clubs would be choosing Raul. I don't think there's a lot in it. I've said this a lot of times, but I don't think there's a lot between the boys. Raul is probably maybe a little bit more reliable by foot and maybe a little bit more consistent. But I think uh, Anderson has some real tricks to his game that. Not many players have in terms of his height, his ability to push forward and play one out deep in attack. He's one nearly 190 centimetres, uh, whereas Rao's just under 180. So from that perspective, there's certainly it's like the McGrath-Taranto debate. Can you go wrong? Not really. Mm. But can you get it right, really right? You, you can do that too. So uh, I, I think Rao would be the guy they choose. He's dependable. You can see him slotting in from round one next year and playing 200 games. But... Um, it's a really tight call. The other one that's come up in discussions as well, and I think if they did get two picks, they they would have to look at this as an option too. Maybe a kicker off half back, someone like Hayden Young would be coming into their thinking, I'd imagine, because his skills, that left foot, we saw it in the last game for the country, that deadly pass late in the game against WA. Uh, his his ability to cut through the lines like that is um is pretty electric. So he's someone that I think would be on their radar too. Okay, and. Uh there's a kid called Will Gould as well. We've had a question put to us. Uh, would would he be a good fit for the Suns if he was to make it to the Suns' second pick, which would currently be the Brisbane Lions' first round pick? Yeah, which is about what is it, sixteen or, or so? Well, currently, around that yeah, mark. sixteen. Yeah, hmm. yeah, he's around. He's around that stage of the draft for me. Will Gould, he's back to back All Australian, big body half back who just runs in straight lines basically and can keep the full keep the ball a fair way. He's pretty powerful like that. So I think he's around that stage. Is he definitely the players I mean you guys would have an even more intimate view of uh the Suns list and whether you need a, a sort of hard body half back. Do you think he's uh, the fit? I'm not sure he's necessarily gonna be the absolute best player at that spot to take at sixteen or fifteen. He'd be around that mark. 
Well, I think the hope would be mm. that he sort of develops into into a, a big-bodied midfielder again. Um, I, think I don't think with... it's going to happen. I think he's mainly a halfback. I've, I've seen him play at stages through the midfield. I think he's he's one of those players that that's his spot yeah. um, at this stage. Anyway, I haven't seen the development yet to suggest he's going to be playing as a midfielder. Mm. Well, I mean, they picked up McLennan oh. last year, and we don't know how much longer Harbrow and Hanley have left. I'm not yep. sure if we have many other halfbacks unless they keep trying to work with Cal Archie being a halfback. Cheers, McLennan. Yeah, I said him. Um, Did you? All okay, right, Tom. So can, I, can I quickly just jump in? Yeah. Uh, Cal, uh, last year I called it the bromance, uh, Connor Rosie and Jack Lacocious at two and three. Uh, it never happened. Uh, love to see the bromance happen with the Suns get uh, Raul and Anderson. Uh, but I, I just quickly want to jump on to uh, your uh, your top 25 uh, in your mock draft. or Is it mock yep. draft or power rankings? Um, it's the power rankings, yeah, the mo- phantom form guide. Yep, yep. You, you had... Um, you had our boy uh, Connor Badarek in there for, for a while, but he seems to have slipped out. Are you, are you doing us a favour? Are you trying to take <laughs> the heat away and, and maybe let him slip down to the third round or something? <laughs> you know, people think that I the, where I rank people, rank people actually might influence clubs. I can assure you it doesn't. But, um, <laughs> look, he's uh, he's look, he had a really good chance, and I liked him across that half-back role, Butterick, and just the way he, he was so powerful and energetic out of the back line small defender defender, uh, defender sort of role. I think he's around that 25 to 40 range, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Given I mean, He's performed well, but given size and, and probably shape, I think that's where he'll end up being drafted or the bid will come for him. At, at that point, it's going to be a no-brainer for the Suns to match it, I reckon. I, I can't see it coming too much earlier than that. Look, he's certainly put the performance on the board and um, you trust him with the ball, don't you? So he's a, he's a nice yeah. player and he, he, did, he had a really good carnival. So... I like him. I think where his draft position is going to end up will be around that second half of the second round type of spot. Yeah. I've, I've been watching this gang all year. Um, and uh, I'll tell you right now, in the first Allies game, you know, Bedaric played played well, but it was just a flogging. And then Luke Power brings in the, the rest of the gang. Um, you know, Tell us what you think about – I'll just rattle off the names. Josh Gore, small forward. Um, Ashton Crossley, little brother of, of Goober, uh, and Ace, who uh, I think the AFL world is going to struggle because the uh, I certainly know the NEFL <laughs> world struggles with with uh, Hawago Paul Oia. Uh, and I feel the commentators have had a bit of bit of a rough time over the champs. Um, and uh, and last year you you uh, you and I talked about Dirk Conan and uh, Matty Sauce Conroy. So uh, far away. What do you reckon about those boys? Be interesting. I, I can't see too many of them um, being considered in the top fifty. So I think they're all probably later or rookie opportunities for the Suns after what will be uh, Budrick as they're probably the third choice if the draft picks sort of end up around the same sort of spot at the moment. Uh, we'll start with Ace because sure. he's the most exciting. Um, I, look, he's become a really good player. It's funny speaking to the guys, a couple of the boys up there, and the players, the Suns players who. Who talked about how impressive Ace was as the preseason rolled on over summer, and just I think Stewie Drew genuinely wouldn't have minded actually playing him um, in the in the preseason competition. He was that good. Some of his for, small forward pressure. He's actually a really um, good user of the footy for someone who clearly hasn't come from a footy background, but the the rugby background comes through in his game. So 
he's going to be a good player. I reckon he's um, he doesn't he doesn't waste too many chances. And we saw as the championships rolled on, and his game down in Geelong against uh, Vic Metro, he was a real key for them in that win. So for the Allies, so he was uh, important at that point. He's going to be a good player. Crossley, I think, somewhere is sort of late for rookie opportunity. Uh, look, he's obviously a different shape and size to his brother, isn't he? So more of a, a big body mm. mid type of pro- type of prospects. You can find the footy. Um, not sure about the running at this stage, but uh, that's sort of been was an issue maybe for Goober at his, at his sort of age as well. But he's come along pretty well and, and has developed into an option for them uh, in the ruck at the Suns. But he's probably a later opportunity for them as well. Uh, who are the other guys? Conroy and Conan. I'm not sure I've seen enough improvement there to say they're definitely going to break in. Um, Dirk, potentially. Um, but the, the, that's the thing with the guy, the later sort of academy picks, isn't it? I don't think there's going to be too much competition for those guys at this stage. So the Suns should get a free hit on those if they want them. Um, mm. uh, and you mentioned one more as well, but I've forgotten. Uh, who, Josh who Gore. Josh Gore, small oh, forward. Yes. Kick, well, he's probably been one of the really good games against Vic Metro. Yeah, he was, and it was that that day was an interesting one in that you know it was a beautiful day for footy, but the small forwards were doing all the damage at both ends. Um, well, what, I guess the difference between the sides was that Vic Metro didn't have the small forwards, whereas uh, the Allies did have them, uh, creating a little bit of havoc down there. So he was good. He obviously his performances for the Suns Academy sort of lineup um, were important in that respect and, and got him into that Allies lineup and. He, he would be one, I reckon, that has a bit of upside to say, well, he can get an opportunity later in the pace. But I think beyond Butterick, it's, they're going to be you know, a, a group back, back end of the draft slash rookie. All right. Well, thanks for coming in and having a chat with us, Cal. We'd better let you go. You're, you're a very busy man. Oh, well, well, no, it's all right. One more's a go. One more's all right. All right. You got uh, one more, Tom? Yeah, thanks. No, Shane's, Shane's, Shane's cutting me off. Um, I, I, I just... I just wanted to ask you what you thought of the whole concept of the NAB League, including the the, um, the northern teams. Liked it, yeah, really liked it. I'm not. What do you yep. guys? Are you for it? Because I thought it was a really good oh, opportunity for great, great the the clubs. Yeah, I thought the it clubs. was really good as well. Uh, it actually begs the question uh, if you can answer this afterwards uh, with the NEFL being a bit subpar. And maybe they need to do something similar with the the AFL sides in the NEFL. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see that. There's, there's, they've come up with different reasons why it wouldn't be as feasible and potentially more costly. And what, to, what then do the other clubs like you know the NT Thunder and what what happens to those clubs if it goes to a national reserves competition? And I understand those sort of worries. And what happens to the old traditional VFL clubs that have you know have certainly come through and been important sort of in the, the foundation, you know, states. But there's, there's arguments for the National Reserves Comp, isn't there? Because at the moment, we're seeing a Brisbane Lions reserve side that is uh, top-notch. Um, and because of, because of their injuries, have, have been able to field, you know, almost the genuine seconds team of AFL players. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, if it wasn't for the, uh, the championships finishing, then the Gold Coast Suns Academy side was uh, Gold Coast Suns Naples side was looking really, really grim and dire, wasn't it? Because of the injuries, and luckily enough, they were able to call up the Academy boys. Some of them who played for the Allies the previous week, so I was lucky the championships had ended at that point. So that's certainly something they've got to address. I'm not sure what the answer is. I don't, can't profess to have the answer to it, but it's certainly something that 
you'd hope they're looking at and working out how, how do we get this to a higher standard to develop these kids because, you know, there will there is a point in time where, and this is where the pressure is, it's a difficult spot for the Suns. There is a point in time where Ben King's played enough NEFL. He might not be exactly ready for AFL, but he's not going to learn much more playing NEFL. So how do you sort of split that balance? I'm not sure. Mm, mm, definitely. Mm. All right, you got any more, Tom? Oh, look, uh, Cal, it's been great to have you on here. I could talk for hours about this stuff. I've been listening to everything you've been uh, saying on your own podcasts. Uh, look forward to it every week. Uh, the Sydney Stack stuff you, you just talked about today is is uh, really fascinating because I just can't believe a talent like that went through 18 clubs and then, you know, had to be picked up. But my question, final question, what do you make of uh, Sam Fletcher and Mitch Reardon who were a bit of a match set from the Danny Long Stingrays? Oh, good one. Yeah. Yeah, Um Sam Fletcher, I really liked. I liked him in his draft year. I got along well with him. Was, he's a nice kid. I was really happy for him to get an opportunity when he did. Um, I felt a bit sorry for him last year when he when he didn't get that chance. And you get to know those kids on a personal level sometimes. And you know, uh, he's, I was I was wrapped that the rule allowed him to get that chance post draft uh, that he did, and you know, go through the different way. Look, he's got when he when I was up there he was coming through he had a couple of niggles because he had to adjust to the AFL training load pretty quickly and it was a little bit of a different sort of circumstance for him so he had a couple of niggles so I haven't been tracking out he's actually been going at me full level but he can find the footy he's, he's the knock against him was maybe the kick and, and that's sort of why recruiters maybe didn't sort of go for him and opt for him but he uh he's a good character I think he'll work pretty hard and he's someone who wouldn't shock me to see get a chance probably more you know next year when um He's got a full preseason under his belt. but uh, And the other one was Mitch Reardon. Again, a little bit unlucky last year and would have been taken in the national draft. So that's where the mid-season draft's you know, a, a good thing. And um, another mate for Ben King up there as well. So hopefully uh, that's part of the... Uh, part, it helps in some ways. I don't think that's the obvious reason why they picked him up, but it helps uh, you know, the Suns retain a number of their boys as they start to create these, these bonds and relationships up there on the coast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, look, I, I can tell you they're both going very well in the NEFL. Sam Fletcher had about 12 tackles on the weekend, and uh, Mitch Reardon's been in the best for, for every game he's played. There's actually uh, rumours Mitch Reardon will play this weekend, so I wonder if they're going to come to fruition. He's a good player. All right. Be good. All right, well, thanks for coming on and uh, having a chat with us, Cal. Really appreciate it. No worries, guys. Keep well and happy to join in any time. Fantastic. All right. Have a good one, Cal. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Thanks, mate. See you, mate. All right. Well, that was a great chat with Cal Toomey. We got a lot of stuff from that, didn't we, Tom? We, we did. And, and you know, uh, what? How, how great of that guy just to give up his time. He's already on half a dozen podcasts and vodcasts and various things. Uh he watches so much footy uh, and knows so many people. So, yeah, really, really great. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, he's come on last year when we were, you know, we had about 30 listeners. Uh, now Nowadays we do things a little bit better, but, um, you know, can only help us and, and all the people who support our podcast are, are pretty lucky. One thing I would like to say, I can see you guys talking in the live chat, um, Mr. Bods and Old Soul. Um, sorry I have, we couldn't really get to most of what you're saying because there's just so much going on. Cal's given some 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 pretty uh, depth answers and and uh, time just flies. 
Yeah, it does. Um, I'm going to have to send Cal a message after this just to thank him again. That was just fantastic. Um, you know, we got some good insight on the the Academy boys, the, the draft, about his thoughts on, um, yeah, the NT Academy. And we, I completely forgot, but I'm glad we got around to the to the the NEFL and sort of working that mm-hmm. into a uh, to become a bit more well. Uh, to become a bit less subpar, let's put it that in a nice way. Um, yeah, and and yeah, of course, Mitch Reardon and Sam Fletcher as well. They've they've come along great in the NEFL. A uh, couple of injury history injuries with them, a bit of niggles, as Cal said. But you know, there's strong rumours that uh, Mitch Reardon might come out and uh, replace uh, Anthony Miles this weekend. So if that's the case, it's certainly something worth tuning into for a Suns game. And uh, mm. let's let's move on. We've only got five minutes, so this will be a really <laughs> quick, quick wrap of the game against Adelaide. And we don't need more than a few minutes because it was an absolute atrocious debacle. And uh, yeah. I don't can't believe I wasted what three hours of my life going to that game. Um, However, yeah, I did. I did walk away terrible. saying I'm never going to watch a Suns game again. And after after a weekend of frustration and anger towards the Suns, uh, cool he- cooler heads have prevailed. And if Mitch Reardon's playing, that's certainly a reason to tune in again and watch the Carlton game. Why not play the kids? Exactly. A few. Uh, uh, Tom Boswell uh, had a great article the other day. Uh, five. Uh, players that haven't played that could come in for the Suns. There was nothing. Uh, Caleb Graham, Jez McLennan. Uh, what, who are the other ones, Tom? Uh, well, you mentioned Mitch Reardon. I, I, yep. I guess Sam, oh, and Fletcher, Sam Fletcher was the other one, yeah. A, put a little bit of... He'd need, to, he'd need to put a couple of games together, but he's already he's already gotten himself up to fitness. I, I think... I, I just want to go back 30 seconds. Um, for those who, who don't know, uh, because you might be might be hiding from from all newspapers and and uh, and and all the social media. Um, Anthony Miles has been suspended for a week, so that's that's the reason why. Um, and another thing that's come out is um, Jordan Murdoch, as as I suspected, uh, picked up an injury over the weekend, and uh, he probably won't be available either. And speaking of so injuries, Kala Cheese now five weeks away, so he's no longer indefinite, and. Um there was another player that you had on your injury list, or didn't, should I say? Do you have the uh, injury list there? Yeah, well, yeah, well, Rankin, he was due to be back, but now that Stuart Jew said Rankin might not even play this year. Hmm. Um, I don't know whether that's play AFL this year or play anything. Um, the the NEFL team needs to put a string a string a bunch of wins together to to make finals. So I don't know that there's any ambition there to get him back for that. Although it would be good as being part of the team to be playing with the team. Um, Schoenfeld comes back. No, oh, okay. So that's, that's, that's strengthening the, the NEFL team. You, you wouldn't imagine he'd come straight back into the AFL lineup, though. All right. All right. Well, let's, for the sake of it, just go over the scores. No one wants to hear it, but Gold Coast Suns, 56, were defeated by Adelaide, 151, 95-point flogging. Uh, Sexton kicked three goals. Lemons and Day had two goals. Um I am going to give my three votes to Lemons. I thought his aggression, his tackling, and his goal sense was fantastic and something we've been lacking. Uh, I'll give the two votes to Hanley. He was composed and his disposal efficiency was pretty good. 
And Tuke Miller as well. His disposal efficiency wasn't terrible, and he was one of the uh, leading possession getters on the ground. Well, it's good to see Tuke back because he's put in some pretty ordinary performances, but knowing that he's been injured and, and carrying that injury, he's he's had a history of sort of foot and ankle injuries, and uh, and and they're the kind of injuries that he's expected to play through, and then he just doesn't have because because Tuke's ability if he's not a big guy. So his his ability is to be fast off the mark, get in underneath, and and, and and get the ball out. And when you when when you just can't get that push off from from your from your foot and your ankle, then you're not going to be first to the ball, and there's going to you're going to be hesitant. And, and I think that's I, I didn't see that on. on so the is Witsy? Yeah, sorry, uh, old soul in the chat is saying Witsy. Um, so is Tuke in your top three? No. Um, my my top three is totally different to your top three. Um, Darcy McPherson just you know didn't didn't have to get a whole lot of possessions. I mean they weren't there for him, but he he just tried and tried and tried all all night, and he's been going really well lately. Um, he could have ended up having a few goals. I mean I, I, I think he'd like to have a couple of shots back, but I gave him the three. Um, and Witsy didn't have a, a high. Um, you know, a high hit out or high possession. Well, he's actually probably pretty good possessions for him. But what I liked about Witsy's effort is that he's he's plainly carrying an injury and just such great leadership for him to play through that and and, and, and his his hit outs to advantage were I I think actually higher than, than usual. Hmm. Um and um and, and then the other vote for Swallow one vote for Swallow. Um I agree with you, Hanley and, and, and Miller. Great, great having them back, getting getting high possessions and doing a lot with the ball. All right. um, but it wasn't enough, was it? There was half the team just didn't show up. No, and it was the same story in the Neefall. Just quickly before we go, the Suns went down to Sydney Uni, uh, forty to ninety, uh, so a fifty point loss there. Wright played mainly in the ruck and had two goals. So not a terrible effort, but from the half of football I watched, he wasn't uh, imposing himself. Sorry, Tom, I know you've got stuff to talk about, but we're down to 10 seconds. So go Suns. Go Suns. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.